Thereafter, I recall only dark and light. It was a miasma that shifted before me, offering no clarity, only color. When it faded at last, I stood back in my bedroom, the same lifeless and grim scene before me. I had returned to the odd not-world of my dream before. The same dead sun shone beyond the window, the same cold floor beneath me, but before my eyes I beheld the door, which surely I had opened ere I came to the strange field. It was closed once more. Beyond it I could hear the sound, the slithering scrape that had caused me to shudder in my previous dream. Had I come back to the moment before I opened the dark? Was that possible? Had I dreamed that before, and was I dreaming now? Perhaps this has all been a continuous dream. I don't know anymore. I admit, listener, to being an absolute abandonment of reason at this point. That from the dark of the room to the green field and back again, I did not understand anything of what was happening. And where was my fire? Where was the city that had burned? I watched Marhau turn to ash, and yet here it is. I will confess to one moment of clarity as I entertained where to go next. It struck me as unwise to go once more beyond the door, into that room with the slithering sound. I turned instead to my window, the one I had spurned on my last day. It's a second story window, but the floor beneath is sunken, the foundation dropped long ago by an old fault in the craft. I can leap it pretty easily. I reached for the wood frame to lift and take my leave from my bedroom, but stopped. For the first time since I arrived in this strange world, I saw my own hands. They were thin and frail, bereft of the vigor I once had. I'll make no claims to magnificence or legend. I, I was only an average man, but I recall without a doubt that my fingers had been full and my wrists were thick with work. Now my fingers are rail spikes. Beneath them is a hand that threatens to crumble in the breeze. I fear that the rest of me may look the same, but... My mirror is in the common room, and I will not open the door to go find it. Perhaps I can find a stranger in this seemingly lifeless world, and ask them what has become of me. The window opens with the will of a dying branch, creaking and bending in a manner it should not. Does glass bend? If it does not, then I am not sure what I just saw. The glass shifted as I lifted the window, like water rippled by a stone. No matter. It opened in the end. I prepare to leap, but I halt with a foot on the sill. There is a smell in the air, a bitter taste in the breeze, like alcohol poured on dry earth. It is piercing. It climbs into my lungs and knocks on my teeth. Even with a held breath, I still feel it crawling wrapping around my nose, threatening to hit me again if I dare inhale. Eventually I blow out and take another breath, as I cannot hold it forever. The second is not as bad. It was as if the smell had built on the edge of the window, pressed against the glass, but fell apart as soon as it gained more room. 
Very odd. I drop to the street and stand to gather myself. The cold of my room has followed me out. The street is as cold as a winter morning. I expect to see frost on every corner, though I find none. And oddly enough, my breath does not fog before me, even as I shiver. My street, Solar Row as it is known, goes at an angle, with the northern way rising on my left and the southern falling on my right, till it bends away a few houses down and disappears towards the market. Across from me is a pavilion of stone, lined by an iron fence. Beyond the fence lies a cliff, which looks out over the city of Marhau. It's a sight I have taken a thousand times. Sprawling brick and stone, hidden beneath roofs of wood, with iron veins poking up to store the lightning. To the east, high above the tower of Marhau Keep, stand statues of creatures, both mythical and foul, looking down with their wings spread wide. The spires are so high they cast shadows even here over the hilltop homes, and on a better day, on a real day, the sun should have been glimmering off the iron and steel that gilded them, showering my overlook with a thousand unbidden stars. It used to annoy me, that light, coming always in the evening when I was longing for peace and comfort, and glaring through my window like an angry traitor unhappy with my pricing. Now, though, now I long for it. Black rot seeps down from the tops of the keep, sloughing off into the courtyards hidden beneath the homes, resting amidst a dark city. The sun is still there, hanging above the clouds, but its red gaze is somehow lost between us, falling on empty places and languishing in gray shade. And now I realize a greater worry. Where is the noise of Marhau? Where are the shouting traitors and the angry wives, the children screaming in hidden rooms, or the clang of iron workers about their duty? Where are the proselytizers that clamor day and night for us to heed their scripture? The city is silent. I do not even hear wind. The only noise is my quickly rising heart, and from behind, the slithering dark. I realize I will find no answers there staring into the empty city, so I turn north to see if the hilltop ledge will show me something new, perhaps an answer as to why the city is so foreign right now. I go along, passing along the faces of slant houses and draped windows. Not a single one of them are open. Not that I would blame the inhabitants, mind you, for wishing away the cold light of the sun, but I wonder how all, down to the barest basement slat, remain closed away behind curtains. Did those basements even have drapes before? I feel that they did not, yet that's not the sort of thing you remember with clarity. A man spends his life wandering with an eye on the road and another on the sky, but rarely is he caught by the shape of the iron fence or the color of his neighbor's curtain. Yet, were Eric's curtains not red before? And were the iron rungs not in the points of spears instead of these ghoulish faces I see on each end? I hesitate to answer as I can only recall the barest pieces of the past, but 
I cannot help but think they were not this way. Before the fire, that is. And to speak of, did I not see Solaro burning? That night comes to me in flashes, just quick memories passing through in chaos, but I remember clearly there were flames across the hill. Flames that blocked even the road for those who would climb higher. Entire rows of homes had become ash. Mine had not been engulfed, but I recall that it would have been soon. Yes, I remember now, I had returned home to gather my belongings so I could flee the city. I don't own much, I'm not wealthy, but I have a few things I would not wish to lose, and I had come back, passing by, I am certain, the iron spears of the fence, and turning past the red curtains of Eric's, which were already embering. Then I came to my home, and I remember nothing else but cold gray, and then my strange evening prior. Was the fire a dream and this the waking world? Has it all been a dream? I don't understand what's happening here. If this is a fever, it is the strangest fever I have ever endured. Surely no fire has been on this road for an age. I am not even sure a fire could live here. There's no heat at all beneath the gray gaze of this sun. All the homes stand as they have for all the years I've known them. Stone and iron, points and overhangs, with no love or feeling. The shadows beneath them are deeper than I remember, and there is something not quite right when I look. Like a painting that is tilted ever so slightly to the side. My eyes seek to correct, but they're not quite sure what it is they should be correcting. Yet, the unease builds as I stare. I would turn and go south, but that way is no better. The shadows of Marhau Keep fall there, and where they lie, a deep dark has taken hold, a dark unlike any I recall seeing before. It's like the world simply ends in shadows. Nothing else can be seen beyond them. Far away I can see the sky, and vaguely I can make out the forms of the homes cast in black, but I can make out nothing real in between. I don't like that way. I continue on, but at the top of the hill I stop. Another fault has found my eye. The plateau, which of old ran to the west before it found the last stretch of rising road, now lies a shattered hole before me. Mind, listener, I do not speak of a drop or merely a dug ditch. I speak of a hole. This is a cavern. It's as if a great spoon has dug into the world and lifted out as much as it could. The road simply stops. The houses end. The iron fence dangles over the edge with a creaking sigh. Where before there had been a park of paved stone and high lampposts, now the world simply yawns. And far below, shifting in the shadows cast by this new dearth, a white fog roils. Is there something moving within that fog? I might believe, though I cannot be sure, the strange shapes go back and forth in the cloud, long limbs dragging over bare earth and pulling something of no worldly form. 
Ah, another dreamer come to see the waking world, a voice suddenly says from my side. Now I'll not pretend bravery here, listener. I yelped without shame and crawled back on my hands when that noise came through. It was the first I had heard in this gray world. And it was rude, I know. But a man should be forgiven for reacting in such odd circumstances. The giver of the voice deserved no such fear, though. I beheld an elderly man, or at least one bent with work, though I could not see his face. He sat on the stoop of the last house before the world fell away, leaning on his knees and wearing a wide-brimmed hat that hid much of his features. His hands, like mine, struck bony shadows over the stone, hanging between his knees with all the power of a skeleton propped up. One might be forgiven if they assumed he was dead, so gaunt was he. But that notion was put aside when he lifted his hat, if only a little, and I beheld a grim chin move up and down as he spoke once more. You look a bit worn compared to the rest. Sleep late, did you? Ah, no matter. Everyone comes up in the end. Apologies, sir, but I don't think I know you, I said, and I was not lying. The house before me had, in my realer flaming world, belonged to Micah, or Meacher, as he was called, though I don't recall how exactly he earned that nickname. Mike was no friend of mine. We met each other on occasion, and I knew him by name, but I don't recall ever having him to my home, and I had been in his only a couple times. He was a young man, though, of twenty-odd years. That I knew for sure, and this fellow could be no younger than sixty. Don't know me. None of them ever know me, the man answered. Oh, Wisp and Willow, forgetting the day... Where'd you wake from, lad? I don't see what you see. This place, it's all the same to me. I'm not sure what you're asking, I answered slowly. If you ask for my city, then it was Marhau, which I believe is this city, though it looks... Different? The man inquired. He raised his hat then, and I nearly screamed. The face beneath was barely alive, pock skin drawn taut over bone and a nose that had forgotten to grow out. All of it set over impossibly thin lips. The eyes of the man were white and clear, a sign of blindness, or so I would guess, but he seemed to perceive me clearly, and he stared right into my own. Yes, different, I answered doing my best not to shake. Ah, uh, that happens here. Almost the same, not quite. Not more how, though. You're long past that, lad. I frowned, naturally skeptical of such claim. This was clearly Marhau, even if it was not as lively or as true as I remember it. What do you mean? I asked. This looks like my city. See, that is Micah's house you are sitting on. I'm sure he is inside if you will let me knock. Nah, no one inside, the man said. No inside to be in. Can't enter what isn't there. I was, of course, quite certain that he was insane at this point. After all, I had been in Micah's house before, 
even if it was only on a rare occasion. Oh, I will be off then, I told the man, prepared to leave as I was. The southern road may have been dark, but if this fellow was not there, I would rather challenge it. Nah, nowhere to be off to, the man said. You're a rest, lad. You're a rest, lad. Past the walls are only dark and those that eat it. You don't want to be out there. I'm certain I have no idea what you mean, sir, I said as I turned and began to go towards the south of the road. Oh, you shall. You shall, the man said. I looked back. He had returned to his stooping stance, head bowed, staring into the stone. Ah, well, nothing for him. I was not going to sit and listen to a crazy vagabond. There's enough nonsense going around in this dream. I returned swiftly to my house where the window I had leaped from. I returned swiftly to my house where the window I had leaped from still sat open. That, at least, had not changed, though I could swear the sound was nearer now. Though I could swear the slinking sound was nearer now, as if it had entered my room when I was out. Not that it mattered, I was not returning. I kept on, heading towards the south road in the looming shadow of Marhau Keep. The homes rose on either side, replacing the expansive view with walls of brick and featureless windows, each shrouded by a curtain. Before me loomed the dark, the formless, shapeless dark. I hesitated at the edge, wondering what exactly I was looking into. It seemed to be the pitiless night, the empty sky in the midst of a cloudful storm. It seemed to be the pitiless night, the empty sky with no stars and no moon. Finally, I gathered my courage and stepped into the shadow. As I did, a noise like growling thunder boomed out, and I saw only dark.